folks, with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, guys, um, I, I hope that you have recovered from the Batman Day festivities. Yes, I, I went out and committed crimes all night long waiting for Batman. It was like, <laughs> it was like the Purge up in Virginia Beach. Did you and party like it was 1989? Good. I did. I partied exactly <laughs> like it was 1989, and I just I listened to, to Party Man on repeat. But Matt, oh, Batman never showed. I feel yeah. I feel awfully bad about all the things I did last night. But uh, I know there were comic book stores doing events near me, and I know that I think like Barnes and Noble might have done something, but I didn't go to any of it. Wow, there, yeah. there's I I didn't hear about any uh, real world celebrations. Everything I saw was uh, virtual. No, I saw there were a bunch. Like I, I saw comic stores were doing some certain comic stores were participating because they got a bunch of freebies to give away. Right. Um. You know, we we aren't going to talk about the books, uh, but they had I think three free Batman books: um, Night Watch, The World, and the Batman Fortnite book. Um, now I flipped through that that the World book. Yeah, that artwork is terrible. I mean, well, none of the, I mean, I didn't read the Fortnite one yet, but the uh-huh. other two weren't particularly good either. Yeah. Well, Aaron, it's not just one artwork for the world; it is a series of short stories, each well, with different artists. I, I flipped through what was on. I guess it was on D, uh, DC Infinite, and uh, boy, whew, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. The the world, uh, you know, written by Brian Azzarello. I said we weren't going to talk about it, but we're here now. Um, <laughs> written by Brian Azzarello, you know, a bunch of different artists from through, from throughout the world, twelve different uh, countries uh, contributing art for, and it, it, not all in this book. This was a preview of a series or, or a graphic novel um, that had all that stuff. Uh, you know, the the other one, so that one was, uh, I, you know, for for something that sounds like I made it sound like a much bigger deal than it actually felt. Um, but the, uh, there, I read the Batman Night Watch book, which. Not gonna lie, wasn't terrible. It, it, it felt like something that was included with a, a toy. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it because it wasn't bad. I didn't hate it. I just didn't care about it. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I did purchase two Batman books this week. Did you? With my with cash, with real oh, no. with real <laughs> human dollars. I purchased them before before the purge <laughs> night. Uh-huh. Um, I actually spent cash. Had I waited till Batman Day, I would have just broken the window and stolen them. Um, <laughs> so I read. I, I, I'm the only one who stuck on for issue two of Batman '89. Um, the Sam Ham Joe Quinones, uh kind of um, you know continuation of the the Tim Burton Batman universe. That is nothing like the Tim Burton Batman universe in any way. Yeah. And so one of the things I'm going to say, you know, I know you guys, none of you particularly cared for the first issue. I was mediocre on it, but I was, I, I, Batman 89 is just one of my most favorite movies. And I just, I was like, I have to give the second issue a shot. It is so, so ridiculously (laughs) bad. Um, I mean, I, 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 it is so bad. I mean, it is borderline incomprehensible. Um, you know, it, it, Paul, that's it, why I didn't give it a second issue is because I love the 89 movie so much. And that first issue, it's like it took the name of the 89 movie to try to prop itself up, but had nothing to do with it. Yeah, but, you know, Sam Hamm wrote those movies. And I think Sam Hamm can write a movie, or at least could 30 years ago, but you know, <laughs> his comic writing skills aren't particularly strong. I, I do think maybe, um, you know, they should have brought in someone a little, you know, to polish the script, maybe someone a little bit more familiar with comic writing, because, 
there's a lot happening in this book and it doesn't flow. And, you know, I think one of the things I had about the first issue was, okay, it's not great, but it reads kind of like a movie adaptation of a movie that didn't happen. And so I was like, okay, maybe, you know, the second issue, maybe it'll make a little bit more sense. It won't be so bad, but no, it, it's the second issue is genuinely worse. Um, than the first issue I was I was which bums me out because this was you know probably my most anticipated book this year and it is just a terrible book but on the flip side of that I also spent my hard-earned cash on I am Batman uh, number one from John Ridley uh, with art by Olivier Copiel and you know I I have not been quiet about my dislike of John Ridley's take on Jace Fox um, taking over the Batman, um, you know, costume. You know, it's not like it's not that I have anything particularly, you know, I'm I'm not like morally opposed to it or or anything, but I haven't really enjoyed any of the stories that I've read so far about Jace Fox, whether it was the Future State stuff or that digital first book that we that Aaron and I tried that I really didn't care for. Um, But. I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment. So I, I figured, let me go ahead and give it a third shot. Third time's the charm, right? Um, well, in this situation, the third time was the charm. Because, holy shit, this book is fantastic. This book is so, so good. And I and I think one of the things that sells it, um, which is probably what was hurting some of the prior volumes for me, is the Olivier Copiel art. It just... It feels like an action movie. You, I mean, the, the 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 art is just so amazing and so kinetic. Like the the fight sequences, the action sequences. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about this first issue, which surprises me that I enjoyed it that much. Um, it, it is it is just a fantastic book, and you know, it, it, okay. It probably hurts to know a little bit going into it. There, there was an I Am Batman issue zero, which, funny enough, I haven't read yet, but I jumped straight into issue one. That may give you a little bit more background. Um, but I, I think this book was great, and I actually really recommend it. Um, there's, there's a lot to like here. Great mood, great action, great art, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick on for issue two. I, you know the Olivier Copiel art it is is something that they really should be pushing really hard on that book. Yeah, because uh, it is stunning. I wish some. Yeah. I wish they put some of these two page spreads, uh, or you know, like Batman riding his motorcycle down the streets of Gotham. It is just breathtaking. This art. Mm. So, I will. I will absolutely be reading that once it hits the app. You know, once it moves over to DC Infinite, uh, I'm yeah. just not going to spend money on it. Uh, beyond yeah. what I'm already spending in my in my uh, subscription, I might give it an issue then and just see. But I haven't been. It's still tied too much to that, uh, you know, that big event. Yeah, the future state stuff, which yeah. wasn't particularly good. But I mean, and, and again, same writer, but something. I, I, I comics are a visual medium, right? So I think what connected with me was just um, it's an action heavy book, and the art sells it. So I loved it. Well, a book that I loved this week uh, that I, I just was super excited about reading, super excited as I was reading it because it was that much fun, was Superman and the Authority by Grant Morrison and uh, with artwork by Michael Jannon and Travel Foreman. The book is gorgeous. 
And the story was fantastic. Um, and there's really, it's a 34 page book. There are essentially two stories in it, uh, but it's the same through line and narrative. It's not like they, they've broken it up to tell you two different stories. It's just, you know, you've got a beginning, middle and end, and then another beginning, middle and end. Um, and it was just super enjoyable there. It, it starts off with a heist, uh, in which Superman is, is leading the heist and it, most of it happens in uh, a person's mind, and I generally hate those kinds of stories. And uh, Grant Morrison really demonstrates, you know, what he does really well uh, in terms of writing and kind of turning things on their head. Uh, it was it was super enjoyable. And then there is we finally get to the, you know, here we are three issues in, and we finally get to the big bad and. Uh, I got to say, you know, our aging Superman in this book gets out the Supermobile. Yeah, that's right. Supermobile makes makes a, an appearance in the book. Was very excited about that. Though I do have an argument about it. Uh, the the villain who I uh, I won't reveal because that that would be a spoiler, but whacks the Supermobile so hard that it dents the hood, and I've got a problem with that. Because the Supermobile is made of Supermanium, which is as strong as Superman himself. This and is an alternate universe, though, Aaron. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I cringe at that. I, I saw the dent in the Supermobile, and I'm like, I don't know about this. But the book is fantastic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. And I something occurred to me about this book that it, it finally dawned on me, you know, the... The take on Superman in this book is that, you know, as Superman is aging, he's losing his superpowers. He's not as strong as he used to be. Um, and he is drawn very much like Tom Strong, you know, the, the uh, Alan Moore character. Um, and it dawned on me that I think that this is Grant Morrison's Action Comics New 52 Superman all grown up. I think that's who this guy is. Ah, I think you could be right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh. Now, I didn't like that New 52 Action Comics run that he had, but I could certainly see the similarities in the characters. Anyway, I just love this book. I mean, really all it takes, throw some Supermobile in there, and I am down <laughs> for it. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah, I might give it a a try once, I, uh, once it's infinite, because... Yeah. I just didn't care for that first issue, but there were some things I liked about it. Yeah, there's a lot I like about this book, and uh, I, I'm, I'm eager to see where it goes. But Wayne, another book that I thought was uh, really well done this week was the 60th anniversary issue of Fantastic Four, issue 35, in which, uh, you know, all the Kangs, <laughs> <laughs> all of them, uh, attack the Fantastic Four. Wayne, what did you think of this book? I really enjoyed it because it hit my nostalgia. Uh-huh. As you go through all these different eras of Fantastic Four, because they're hitting them at different time periods, it's like, I remember when that was going on. I right. remember that era. I remember that. Yeah, it uh, it's an amazing book. I, I And here's, Paul, brace yourself. John Romita, uh, Jr., John Romita Jr. art from beginning to end, and it looked amazing. What? Yeah. Hold on. Does Wayne agree? I enjoyed the art in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought, okay, you know, the, I got the, got the first page. I was like, oh, John Romita Jr. 
All right. I, I, this is going to be one of those big jam books. I just felt, I didn't hear that going in, but I was like, it's, it's, it's a, I mean, it is an 88 page book, 83 page book. I'm like, of course, you know, it's going to be a big jam piece. It'll be a bunch of different artists, but no, the main story beginning to end is John Romita Jr. And it looks really good. I was, and one of the things I loved, there's a mock cover. Yeah, for each of the different parts of the story. Yeah, that puts it in the the number time frame. Yeah, in the of era. When that, yeah, yeah, of, of when that would have been. And I love those covers. Yeah, the, I, I really, I there was only one of the backups that I didn't care for, but everything else was great. And you know, the the conceit of the story, you know, we know that Kang is different people through time. You know, he's Rama Tut, he's Kang, he's Immortus, you know, other guys. And it's all of these different iterations of Kang getting together and saying, hey, let's let's see who can take out the Fantastic Four the best. And so they're killing the Fantastic Four over time, you know, different eras of the Fantastic Four. And as as grim as that sounds, this book was a lot of fun. Um, I thought Dan Slott did an amazing job both making you feel the stakes in the book and also keeping a, a a happy level of whimsy in the story. And you got to hit these story beats about the characters, you know, different moments in their lives and what they were thinking and feeling. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting uh, choice was, was choosing the, the earliest iteration of Susan Storm, like, you know, just weeks after they become superheroes versus the, the much more confident and competent S- Susan Storm that, uh, we have, have had since John Byrne wrote the book. Yeah. Know? She just got her force fields right. and doesn't really, isn't really sure how to use them fully yet. Yeah. But I, I, I thought the book was amazing. I, you know, it was $9. And I'm always leery of picking up one of those things. Uh, there are no reprints in this book, um, you know, as they you know, did to us not too long ago on, on these kind of anniversary books. The backups are really entertaining. And there, there is uh, there's one there is a, a backup written by Mark Wade that kind of retells the origin of the Fantastic Four and talks about the guilt that Reed Richards feels about uh, exposing his friends to the cosmic radiation that turned them into these creatures, you know, turned them into these superheroes. And it it addresses his reasoning for creating the Fantastic Four, not just because, hey, you know, we're super-powered adventurers now. It was he created the Fantastic Four so that Ben, you know, who is this monstrous thing, would always be regarded as a hero, right? Yeah, he, I love that, that the there's a reason for the flashy costumes. Right, and, 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 and you know, he is... He creates the Fantastic Four to address needs that Johnny, Sue, and Ben all have, you know, because of the guilt that he feels about having, you know, endangered them and uh, exposed them to the cosmic radiation that gave them their superpowers. I just this book was was terrific, almost entirely head to toe. There is a middle story there that I did not did not much care for, um, but uh, other than that, I just I thought it was I thought it was a super good book. Yeah, I enjoyed that they touched on the current storyline uh-huh. enough to acknowledge that it's going on while putting it on hold for this yep. story. Yep. And that that even becomes part of the story of Johnny's got an issue and 
instead of Reed fixing it, he's dealing with something else. And Ben has to be there for Johnny because he's been there. Yeah. It's a great book. I, I'm great still book. pissed off at Johnny, though, because I really liked Sky. Yeah. Johnny's stupid. Yeah. 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 So, Paul, you read Eternals, The Ri- uh, Thanos Rises, number one with me. I did. You know, it's funny because I wasn't I wasn't going to because I'm still behind on right. my Eternals. Right. Uh, I think I'm like two-ish issues behind. Yeah. And uh, I was like, eh. but, you know, maybe it's I'm sure it's a side story that, you know, I'll still be able to enjoy even though I'm not, you know, active in the series currently or current in the series. And um, I was right. Like, it, it is not, you know, it, it definitely does. Uh, kind of, I'm sure you, I, I would have enjoyed more the connection to what's going on in the Eternals book if I was current. But even without being current, like I'm, yeah, I, I was able to understand the story, especially because, um, you know, a few years back there was a, a, a story about Thanos. Yes. Um, I think it was written by Jason Aaron, Thanos Rising. Yes. I, I don't remember the exact writer on it. Yeah, Jason Aaron. Um, and this very much kind of it's almost a prequel to that series and and does um because i was wondering as i was reading the book like oh is this going to retcon what was in thanos rising and no um but it ties in nicely it does tie in nicely yeah Yeah, in fact it makes that book feel a lot more uh part of the marvel continuity than i felt like it it did previously uh i gotta tell you i had to go back and do a double take on the artwork because it has such a Walt Simonson sort of feel to it in the energy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did did Walt do the pencils on this book? But no, it is a it is a Dustin Weaver gig. And it's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Like that for, so there's a, a two page spread. Mm-hmm. It's like the third page in the book. Yeah. Um, and it is like there's people writing on Dinosaurs. dinosaurs and they're cyborg dinosaurs. Cyborg the dinosaurs. Which <laughs> anyone who's my age might remember the Dino Riders cartoon. Uh-huh. It didn't last very long, but it was. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And that first page, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <sighs> you know, yeah. It, you know, guys riding on cybernetic dinosaurs. It, it just brought me back to my childhood. And you know, the rest of the book certainly doesn't have that that level of of enjoyment. It's it's very much a tragic tale. Um, it is. I mean, th- that's the thing that's so weird about it is that the the artwork is so dynamic. You know, it's got that that crazy Walt Simonson energy about it, which also, which you know, if you're talking about Walt Simonson, you can't talk about Walt Simonson without talking about Jack Kirby, and it's got all that on it, right? I mean, this this is just, you know, there's Kirby crackle all over the place. It's it's got so much dynamism on the on the page. And it is really counter <laughs> to the tragedy that you know is coming. Because you know th- that the argument that Alars is, uh, is waging with Zurus um, mm-hmm. is going to lead not to the birth of, of, of some sort of, you know, miracle child to the Eternals, but to the birth of Thanos. And... It, it, w- there, there are so many things I like about this book, one of which typically I get really annoyed by the great big, you know, interstitial wall of text, you know, that mm-hmm. like Hickman is famous for. 
yeah. Karen Gillan in this series, both in the in the in the earlier volume and in this volume, uses it to explain some stuff that's going on. I thought the brief introduction to key arguments in the Titano schism yeah. was brilliantly written. And yeah, we felt done for sure. I, I when I finished that page, I'm like, okay. I, you know, I, I'm definitely on team Alars, you know. Um <laughs> So you, I think it is really hard to take these made-up arguments, you know, (laughs) in these stories and make you, you know, make people fall in line with them. Yeah. But, you know, I I definitely, you know, am am on Team Alars, or as, you know, we know him in more modern comics as Mentor, uh, Thanos' dad. Yeah. And... You know how that ends in tra- in tragedy, and you know we see him, meet, you know, seeking out and and you know uh, rekindling a relationship with Suisan, who is uh, Thanos's mom, and you know all the effort over years and years and years to try and have a child, and and all they go through, and they expect it to be this miracle baby, and it winds up being, you know, the ma- the the uh, you know uh, Mad Titan himself, Thanos. Yeah. And you know who drives his mother crazy and who kills his mother. Uh, I, this book was so well done. It was, and just and, so. And then I finished it, and I was like, "Oh, well, so and, depressing." And you think it's done? You think it's done when Thanos kills his mom, right? Yeah. You know, because we, we saw that in the miniseries Paul was talking about earlier, Thanos Rising, and. Uh, <laughs> this this book goes on and talks about how you know uh, mentor Thanos's father um, mm-hmm. responds to it, and the thing that you have to remember about the Eternals is that they are all part of the great machine, which is the planet Earth. The, the planet Earth is a great big celestial machine that that anytime the Eternals die, they you know reset, kind of like the resurrection ship in Battlestar Galactica. They reset back on Earth. All of their memories are downloaded into the machine, and they get to start over. Well, you know, Mentor, you know, has has had this centuries long argument with Zurus, you know, the head of the Eternals, and he's like, "No, Zurus is right. I never should. I never should have go- gone out there and tried to father children." And instead of them letting Mentor go and you know do his thing or mind wipe pun- them, you know, yeah, yeah, I, that he is punished and he is excluded from the Eternals. And you know, sent to a prison cell, and then it gets even more terrible. I mean, this book is one tragedy after another. You know, it, it is it is the the death of love, it is the death of hope, it's the death of family, and it is so tragic. Mm-hmm. This book, but yet so beautifully told. I I am amazed at what Dustin Weaver did here because. You know, you could have Kieran Gillen's words all day long in this book, but if you don't have the artist to tell this story in a a, a an emotional and evocative way, you got nothing. And yeah. Dustin Weaver drew his guts out in this book, and it is freaking amazing. You got I, Kieran Gillen's you know writing at the top of his game. You got Dustin Weaver drawing at the top of his, uh, top of his. This book was fantastic. Yeah, so I, I I recommend checking it out it, 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 if you are a Thanos fan, right? Because even I even though I'm behind on Eternals, I'm I'm glad I went ahead and read it. Yeah. Um, 
because it, it, you know, it does very much tie to, like we said, the, the, the Thanos stories that I've read. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, it is his backstory just is, is so ridiculously tragic. It's, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's definitely a, a book that'll, that'll stick with you. Yeah. It, it's got some hang time. Uh, mm-hmm. I will definitely say that it's got some hang time, but definitely recommend it. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week we have The Death of Doctor Strange, Issue 1, from Jed McKay and Lee Garbett. Oh, um, yeah. I yeah, forgot this... that uh, that uh, Doctor Strange has a, uh, a, a a best used by date. Yes, so. an impending, <laughs> an impending expiration date uh, mm. for Doctor Doom. Um, on the other side of the Marvel Universe, we have Guardians of the Galaxy, Issue 18, which is the conclusion of The Last Annihilation. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we will certainly talk more about our thoughts uh, for Last Annihilation. You know, as when I saw that it was concluding already, I was like, oh, I don't yeah, feel like it's seems, actually started yet. Yeah, <laughs> but, that seems really soon. Um, but yeah, we are, we're getting the conclusion. Um, now, from uh, DC Comics, uh, if you're a Tom Taylor fan, it's a big Tom Taylor week for you because Batman the Detective, issue five from Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert comes out. Uh, but more importantly than that, Tom Taylor and uh, Ro- Robbie Rodriguez um, are doing Nightwing issue 84, which actually now that I'm looking at it is not the issue I thought it was. I thought, you know, they, they've been talking online about um, an upcoming Nightwing issue that is one continuous panel. Um, but oh, unfortunately, yeah. it's yeah, not this issue. This issue is a Fear State tie-in. So, uh, sorry. Sorry to get your hopes up. Um, but, you know, uh, but from IDW... Uh, very exciting is the conclusion. I think it's conclusion. Um, the the fourth issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's it the seems like forever since yeah. the last issue. Of it that. does seem like it's been a while since issue. Yeah. I'm not even reading it, and it seems like it's been a while. Yeah, I feel like I need to re to reread to get caught up. But I do think this is the final issue. Um, the, the conclusion of that story, and yeah, I, I you know I have enjoyed it. Um, I think. Because of the delays, it's probably been a while since we've spoken about it, but uh, we'll talk more about it next time. What a deal. Well, I've, I, you know, I picked up uh, the Last Annihilation Wakanda book this week, but I haven't read it yet. But I will be all read up for the uh, for the end of the Last Annihilation next week. Yep, same here, except for that cable book, because I'm still not reading that. Yeah, no, same here. Hard <laughs> out, hard out. Hey, we want to know what you thought of this week's books. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your call on the on the show, whatever, if we use it wherever, I mean, you know, we could use it, you know, you don't know where we could use it. You know, Paul might put it in one of his videos. You don't know. I might also do it in the shower. That's right. Uh, on a continual loop. It could be what Paul sleeps to. It, it probably will be. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> if we do that, you could win a coveted valuable ideology madness surprise you can also hit us up on social media iom geek on facebook instagram or twitter um and you can remind me that last running is actually a five issue miniseries now so uh so you so next week will not be the conclusion it'll be months months from now so it won't be the last last ronin it'll be the penultimate last ronin penultimate last ronin (laughs) all right guys we'll do it all again next week catch you then podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast